Episode 3. This episode of Library Circus is going to be dedicated to one essay and one author entirely. And that is none other than Ralph Waldo Emerson. This essay called Self-Reliance is, uh, it was written in 1841. And Ralph Waldo Emerson is an important figure, I think, for understanding The Truman Show. The ideas in the Truman Show about becoming your own man, whatever. Every time I say things like this, I'm like, someone's like, a man? Just don't do that. Don't watch this podcast if you're like that. Get out. If you're in the, if watching the Truman Show, Truman has to become his own man, a true man. And Ralph Waldo Emerson is all about becoming a true man. The entire essay, Self-Reliance, is just this really hardcore like there's some parts of that episode that he just lets it rip on people uh he's and this is you have to understand that this is the 18 the mid 1800s okay i think people look at an essay like this and they're like and it's ralph waldo emerson being like conformity is bad and they're like oh, oh, what a cool boy so edgy no this is the 1800s when criticizing religion made you basically an, a heathen you know it was a much different situation there religion and conformity were much heavier uh burdens for people to bear if they wanted to be accepted into social society now you get to be an atheist and we're like oh cool yeah you're an atheist oh yeah it's fine whatever this is not this is a whole different game now but this essay is still very important because it's so funny you know when i listen to things about this essay, when i when i look at the different parts of this essay, um, it reminds me of how easy it is to think that you would be the person that's nonconformist and self-reliant and all that. But every generation thinks that when looking back at the past generation. They think, oh, well, I would have said that that's wrong. I would have stood up for that. Yeah, of course you would because all your peers right now would be like, yeah, yeah. Now, would you stand up for something when all of your peers would condemn you for it? Would you stand up for something that you believe in and stand by your own principles when it meant that you had to stand alone? That's what this essay is about. So just real quick, we're going we're gonna to go through ideas of nonconformity, um, discerning truth, uh, individuality the really the essay is a it, it's extremely and kind of sadly prescient in how much it describes the current cultural atmosphere where people are feeling so pressured into performing morality that isn't their own well i think that uh, i hate <laughs> when you rush me for the word of you the podcast. stopped i see you in the background like this you stopped I stopped under pressure, but by all means, the word of the podcast today, coffee. I'll tell you what, then that's fine. You know what? The word of the podcast is conformity. <laughs> and you know what? You know what? You can go look it up yourself. Please. Oh, <laughs> well, it's not about me. It's about the viewers. So Everyone else needs to be. I'm not. Not at all. The viewers are a treasure. My treasure. I consider the viewers <laughs> treasure. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Self-reliance. You don't need to rely upon me to do my amateur etymology. 
Go look it up. That's true. Conformity. That's true. Define it for yourself. Whatever. You know, there's no, a part don't, of this. Don't just make up no. definitions. Well, don't, don't, do don't, don't make up definitions. No, but you also have to decide what it means to you. Because a lot of nonconformity now is the idea of like, oh, I dye my hair blue. Or I have 50 different sexualities. You know, and it's all these different things that it's like, no one actually cares. No one actually cares how many colors you dye your hair. No one really cares if you're attracted to cement. No one cares about the strange intricacies of your personality and your sexuality and your identity that you've decided to use as some kind of display of who you are. Do whatever you want. No one fucking cares. That's the whole point of the United States is that you can do all these crazy, outrageous, individualistic things. And as long as you leave everybody else the fuck alone, no one cares. All right. So I will go to the word of the podcast because you're going off the chain. You've obviously been on Twitter too long. You're 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 angry at the people with blue hair and all the people that love cement. I didn't know that the people love cement. I used to. I don't know. I just made it up. Okay, so we obviously need. I don't want to. I don't want to call out a real sexuality. We're not that big of a podcast that I can start calling out real things. Like, settle down. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. I have to attack the cement sexual. Cement lover. (laughs) Get off my land, you cement lover. Get out of my country, you cement lover. People, okay, it's fine. Yeah, if you if you like cement, that's no problem with me. Um, well, I'm just saying that, you know, conf- the idea of nonconformity has changed a lot. I mean, it's almost become a cliche to say, you know, oh, be a nonconformist. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Go to shop at Hot Topic or something like that. And it's really, actually, nonconformity is never more important because I think there's it's become such a cliche that people don't realize that it's always going to be a part of living amongst other human beings. It means action in accordance with some standard. Do you understand? This is from the old French conformité, from uh, the late Latin conformitatum. You like that? Conformitatum. Uh, yeah. Meaning action according to something. Now, that's from the late 15th century. That of adherence to the Church of England is from the 1620s. Think about that. There's some history. We don't, I don't know if you're ready for that. I'm not ready for it. I didn't prepare for this. But uh, nonconformists <laughs> were people, actually, that did not conform to the anglican church and that's important so it has that that's important because in this <laughs> it is. Essay, i don't i don't conform to the anglican church <laughs> oh oh you don't but many people do still conform to churches that are of the modern ilk so i mean the idea of a church now it's really just the idea of a doctrine of dogma you know you can change it's not going to be the Anglican Church that we're talking about for conformity. There is well, the Anglican still Church still exists, desire. so please. Yeah, but they're not stoning people for not believing. Like no one's, ca- no one cares if you're no. an Anglican or not. Now, what people do care about is all these different, you know, political identities and social issues that we're replacing church with. These are the new doctrines. That people ascribe to, you know, the other day I saw an article that was like, my godfather, who's Japanese, gave my daughter a kimono. Can she wear it? Dear newspaper publication. This is the most sad display of searching for some higher moral authority that I've ever seen. These articles now that come out to to the New Yorker, whatever, of all places, like that's who you're going to ask for your morality. But that's really what it is, because as human beings, we still crave that kind of 
higher power that dictates what is good and what is bad for us. Because doing it for yourself is very difficult. All right, so I and think that... And that's where Ralph Waldo Emerson comes in. So you get to a point in this essay, which uh, for viewers, just so you know, I was surprised by this. This came as a surprise to me that we were going to be recording Library Circus episode three today. Didn't know, but I took up the challenge. I said, I'll read this uh, quickly and excellently and then speak on it. So I have. Now, what you just said brings out a point in the essay, which is, he says, it's actually fairly easy to be a nonconformist if you live in solitude. The, the, mm. And I don't know the exact quote, but it was essentially that. The, the, the man of great excellence, the great man, is the one who's able to be a nonconformist while uh, keeping that keeping that nonconformist individualistic viewpoint in nature when in society. And then he further says there's two different types of society that will kind of push against you. One is, I thought this was interesting, is kind of the high society... Uh, the elite society, which ultimately isn't that scary. He's kind of like, you know, really you can still kind of ignore them because they're not dangerous. And then he says, but there's another, there's another type that it's very difficult to keep your, your own viewpoint with. And that's the mob, the violent Mm. mob. So there's two different types of things. You know, can you, can you say what you believe? Can you stand with your own opinion when the mob is after you. Now, you're on Twitter and you worry about this kind of stuff all the time. I'm not, so I don't care. But that's a virtual mob. And many people, I know many people bow down to the virtual mob on Twitter. I don't because I'm not on Twitter. People apologize every day. It's like an ongoing, ridiculous, self-flagellating display of spinelessness. Every day in what and it's particularly fun when it's a celebrity usually people will go after some type of like b-list celebrity for i don't know saying a weird word or like be or reading a book by an author that's not approved or god knows it doesn't that's the thing it doesn't matter there is always going to be something that can be spun into offensiveness because that's the game the game is to find ways to wield morality over other people and make them subjugate themselves to you and so that's what people do because who Who really can stand against a mob? Especially when, and it's a sad thing because most people, this is what I was thinking about the the other day is that. Everyone can. I I need to say this. Everyone can do it. I mean, I'm not talking about, okay, we need to, and you know, we always talk about this. We need to differentiate between something. If there are actually people physically surrounding you, like telling you they're going to kill you, then I understand. (laughs) You don't need, like, yeah, just. Tell them what they want to hear, run I guess, away. and the run away <laughs> yeah. or do whatever. No one's no one's suggesting that. This is the thing that enrages me about this. The, the you can't simultaneously say words words on Twitter don't matter and that you should be allowed to say what you want to say, and then on the other hand say, oh, the, your words hurt me so much when you when you mob up against me. It's just text. It's text on a screen. Now that's a little unfair to some people because. That 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 can actually have real world consequences. I don't for think people. those two people are the same ones. You said you can't say words on the screen aren't real, and then say your words hurt me. Those people are not the same. The people that say words on a screen are just words on a screen. That's me. Those are people that are like you know this is just you free speech whatever. It's just words. Words can't hurt you. The people that try to 
gang up in a mob and say your words are sinful take them down you should be ashamed you apologize you're causing harm those are different people and they don't agree with the idea that words aren't harmful because they use them so as as a, a, a vehicle for you know saying i've been hurt someone needs to save me and do something save your goddamn self shut your fucking phone off if words are such a pain to you I have had enough of it. When I read this essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson, it makes me realize how pathetic and how truly regressive human beings still are in the year 2021. This essay was written in 1841. And granted, not everyone is going to be Ralph Waldo Emerson. Not everyone is going to even get close to being Ralph Waldo Emerson. I would love if I could even write with half the quality, a fourth of the quality that he writes. Every sentence is beautiful and powerful and truthful and just unique. It's just, he's really a treasure. Now, the thing is that you don't even have to just have a Fine is the thing. And this is what the whole essay is about. Self-reliance. Do not turn to a faceless mob to, to define what is morality for you. That's why people get stuck in this. Because they don't stand by themselves and say, I know what my intentions were. I know what these words mean that I have said. And I know what direction I'm pointing myself in. And I'm not going to be swayed by people who are very clearly malintentioned and cruel. Why would you ally yourself? Why would you capitulate to people that are harsh and violent and turn around every day looking for someone else to get them to bow to them? Is that really the people that we want to, to, to give power to? Is that really the kind of ethos that we think should be making decisions and, and controlling people? No, but... To be able to stand up to any mob, you have to understand that it's online. Yeah, shut your phone off, whatever. But I've look, I've never been canceled or whatever. I've had like only a few comments where people are like, this sounds abusive. And I'm like, well, then fucking block me. OK, get the fuck out of here. This is abusive. It's a phone in your hand. Head offline. Then you can be safe. Save yourself. I don't care. Now, I'll probably be canceled after this one. And so here's the thing. I think that there is an innately the, the social media. Yeah, sure. It's digital. It's not real. Whatever. It's it enacts biological processes in us. It triggers dopamine. It triggers anxiety. So it is very real in the sense that it actually interacts with our biology. That's really like that becomes a real thing to your body, you know? So I think that um, it's very hard, especially imagine the younger generations. They I don't want to imagine them. We can already see the difference between the, the age between me and you because you seem extraordinarily um, angry and, you know, and fine and fine. Good. But you can. Am I not always extraordinarily angry about almost everything? Uh, not at, to this extent. I mean, you can see the difference, I think. I think it's fair to say the difference and that it's not, you know, I don't, I agree with you. It's just that I, uh, well, you live the, see, you live the life that Emerson could critique because you are outside in many ways of, uh, the arena of attack. You maintain a very low <laughs> profile and you don't have Twitter and you don't really care for Instagram that much. 
So I try. You try. I put things up there. Here's the thing. But look, I know, I understand. But I've also, you know, lived and existed in a time where, um, you know, there there are there are online interactions that I've had where people have been upset about things that I've said or done or whatever, and it just uh, I think that. Um, yeah, but was it through social media? Yeah, yeah, through Facebook. But what, what what is it though? See, there's a weird there's a weird quality here that's different than the past because I used to fight with people on Facebook when I was younger too. Who cares? Whatever. They're my friends usually. They're people that I know or they're somehow in my in my sphere. You know, the weird thing about social media now is that. It's so connected and so universal that truly you can be plucked out of your everyday existence and thrown onto the world stage. Right. If it really goes that far, right. to the world stage. And it becomes this kind of a spectacle. It's a very weird thing. I've never, it's never happened. I get it. Um, yeah. On but Facebook. there's an element there that's, you know, uniquely collectivist in the way that it's like, we're going to parade you through the digital streets, sure, you sure. know, and burn your effigy. Like, so, it's a very weird. No, you're right. It, with with uh, Facebook or something like that, at least a while back, uh, there was a less, I guess, chance of a bunch of strangers coming in and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having part. But I want to I do something as a potential public service because I'm always working for the public. And... Um, you know, through the word of the podcast and through various other uh, ways, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot, and it's for it's for the benefit of our viewers. I see you look disturbed. Uh, all these all these victims of the digital mob, right? That we know the bodies have piled up. Apparently, I I I I ask you to name five, name five martyrs of the digital mob. Uh, well, that's not. Great, because I have a particularly horrible memory. Name me three. So, um, and by name. Let's see. Well, I'd have to think of who has apologized, I guess. There are... It's It's been... I, I don't know. I okay, can't, perfect. I can't name a list. Good. Like, it's Very real. good. No, that's the point. Like, don't, don't do this. Don't do this. I'm no. just exploiting my memory. No, no. I'm not just exploiting your memory. I ask all the viewers to do this, not just you, but to, to name, by name, First and last name, three to five people that have been extraordinarily harmed by the digital mob. Now, now here's the thing. This is a kind of. I mean, there's been people that have lost their jobs. I know, I know, but and I don't want I don't want you to think that I'm saying this because I'm downplaying that because I know that actually has happened. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you that this stage that you talk about, that everyone is, you know, on the world stage, it's so ephemeral. It, ephemeral i tried to use a big word it's so ephemeral (laughs) it's so brief the um the yeah the digital memory that no one no one remembers no one cares in in time and so that that should give you courage to say what you want to say and do what you want to do because at the worst what i'm trying to say is at the worst that there's very few people you know we could maybe talk about specific incidents that we remember but there's very few people that you'll ever all those people are doing whatever they're doing. Now, Grant, some of them lost their job. But some, of them, some There were ramifications for people. I'm not downplaying that. I, I'm just trying to say that I just have read a lot of history, man. I've read a lot about real mobs. It's yeah. fucking scary. Extraordinarily scary. Uh, and I And I reject them. And I'm not trying to downplay this, but I also want everyone to keep their kind of head on and remember yeah, that, yeah, the you know, you do you really think, uh, another brief question. I ask you these questions, you know, 
I, I, I interrogate you because you're, you're the person who deals with this. Um, do you think Twitter will exist in 10 years? I fucking hope not. 10 years. Uh, I would say Twitter will exist, but I think it will be less popular. And I think there will be an alternative that's hopefully better constructed and less, uh, inclined to emphasize the negative aspects of the way social media works. now. 20 years. Dude, what do I look like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be a Twitter in 20 years. Well, I know. And I, but I, I mean, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. But I don't... I Look, I know that there's already people that are going off of Twitter. But at the same time, then you usually have like developing countries that are going on more, you know? But whatever. I guess it's just their turn to... Uh, <laughs> good luck. But I think that there will be something new, you know? I mean, technology is not going away. And the social connection, it's too profitable. There's no way... Uh, the only thing would be it's an alter- there would be an alternative or something because if it's up to any type of, if it's up to the media, if it's up to the government, if it's up to just uh, profit driven interests, social media is going to be around for as long as they can keep it because it is one of the most profitable uh, and, and, and in, in powerful ways to influence and manipulate a public that has ever been around. Besides actual force, I guess. Um, well, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But here, look, to your point, um, I think that the distinction you make is important between the virtual mob. And here's that's the thing. Again, when you put on those virtual headsets and you play a game, you don't, you know, get, get PTSD from playing uh, a shooter game with a virtual headset on. Right. Uh, even though it's you're seeing the whole thing and you're going through an experience related with a virtual mob, there's something like that. Okay, yes, it's real in the sense that there are real people on the other end and there is real distress that, that is brought out through that. And there can be real consequences um, to the, the, those mobs depending how, um, how serious they get because they don't play a game. Like, people have figured out. Once, once people that wield this weapon figured out that they can uh, cause economic ramifications to people through you know, this kind of like, I've been hurt, that type of shit, that's boom. I mean, that's how any animal works. As soon as an animal figures out, I can get what I want using this, they use it. Your dog will do it, and any animal in the wild will do it, any human being will do it. That's why it's so dangerous to capitulate to these uh, behaviors because it reinforces them. When people see that they can um, influence their world using certain tools why would they stop using those tools because they're so, disgraceful that's why they don't care. no no i know that a, a small percentage of people don't care but i still believe that a lot of human beings don't want to engage in behavior that's fucking disgraceful and and, and the, a lot of people won't now, i understand and again i'm speaking of this from someone that doesn't use this but i under, clearly not everyone that uses social media is just constantly walking around looking to try to destroy people's careers because they said something that they disagree with it not may be everyone even a it's minority. a very it's be it's an extremely small minority and it's that's a, usually how it goes it's a vocal minority and so that's what's the weird thing here is that it's maybe okay so i mean it, it depends because there could be you know mob in the sense that it's truly you gain up a lot of people that are ga- that are you know, lobbying uh, harassment at someone. But there's also, it also doesn't have to be that many people for there to be an effect, you know? 
I mean, if you get 10 people that call a restaurant and say, uh, Abby that works at your restaurant is posting um, hateful things online, that restaurant, because profit is comes before honor too, they're more likely to fire Abby and say, oh, we want to keep our customers, get rid of the liability, she's just a cashier anyway. So it doesn't actually, you know, 10 phone calls to a, a restaurant about their employee can work so it doesn't have to be a large mob beaver but you know again we're, we're talking about um that would be very targeted harassment i don't know if that's always what happens because they'd have to have like that information about the person though that has happened that has happened in certain cases um usually that's a little more egregious like someone has posted a video or something of them being like i don't know singing along to an offensive rap song whatever that's one that happened um that's happened before can't remember the name so don't don't Tell me that. I don't remember everybody's name. Um, and no one else does. That's my point. Yeah, I mean, you can keep going, li living your life. In some cases, there has been a situation where the person can't get hired later on, too, because their reputation follows them if it gets that bad. Um, but look, let's talk about it on a different scale, which is like the more likely to happen scale, which for me, for example, I post something, someone with a bigger account picks it up and they're like, this is the perfect time for me to show how moral I am to all my loser followers who love to watch a witch burn. And so they pick it up and they say, look at this person. This is advocating for, you know, th saying that um, you should look at someone's integrity and not their ideology. That sounds like something a Nazi would say. This is an actual thing that happened. Just there was no mob behind it. So it's not even an example. That's not crazy, even though it sounds crazy. And so you'd have this person pick it up, post it on their large account and say, this is wrong. Now you'd have a bunch of those people go because they have nothing to do with their lives and they need to feel better about themselves and escape their own problems by attacking someone else and making them the problem. And so that's what happens now. So I get a bunch of abuse. I get a bunch of people saying, you're a Nazi. Uh, you should die. I'm going to call your job up. Oh, good luck with that. I'm self-employed. <laughs> and whatever they want to do they just want to send me messages blah 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 say look she's a racist she's a sexist she's a monster whatever okay time goes by TikTok, and then that's it you know if i think if you don't respond and and it's just like you i think that's the thing if you don't care then it, it's like the blood is not in the water anymore because a lot of the time what these people want is the satisfaction of someone saying i'm sorry i didn't that's what they fucking want. So say, do it up. Enjoy. Here, check out this post too. Th that's like, it has to be this. But here's the thing that I think is a problem is that that's what's going to happen as a backlash to this. When you start using moral issues and social issues um, to manipulate people, then you're actually self-selecting for people that don't care that much and are not that fucking nice. Because that's the only way you can be free then in a culture that's going to wield morality as a weapon is to not care about it and to not be worried about what other people think about you and to not get your morality from other people. I mean, but that's again, that's what this essay goes to. Who the Let's fuck gets the morality now. from Twitter? 
I get my morality from you Twitter. You gotta understand. Well, the, the, I, I, I wish. I, I wish it was as silly as it sounds. I wish it was. I believe well, it's real. These are people I, that don't have a church. These are people that have parents that also don't teach them anything. Anything you want, honey? Are you sad? Are you Go sure watch you're some not? TV. Are you sure you're I'm not? I'm so serious, man. Are you it's sure so bad. that you're not straw manning so a bit? Is straw man a racist term? <laughs> a strong man, strong straw person. Not yet, but you straw personing. I look okay. Whatever, man. It, it's fine. Uh, I, I'm not joking. You have to understand though that what I'm talking. I just about don't. I don't believe it's real. Essay. I understand. It's in the Emerson no, no. Essay. Ralph Waldo Emerson was not talking about Twitter. No, but it doesn't matter. He's talking about the group and how it tries to subjugate the individual by using the idea of false goodness. He literally says in the essay um, that don't, I can't remember the quote, but it's something like don't capitulate to the idea of goodness. Your goodness should have a little edge to it, actually, and um, which is a kind of a, a Nietzschean ex, uh, uh, ethos to that idea that like goodness isn't this kind of a groveling purity thing. It's actually something that it's strong. You know, it should be strong. And, and so goodness doesn't require you to throw yourself at the feet of some nameless mob. That's not good. You know, and, and then also the other thing he says is that you absolve yourself to yourself. So if you believe, ah, you know what? I actually was wrong about this or whatever. I don't even care. Don't even apologize to a mob ever, ever. Doesn't matter if you were wrong. And I'm going to say that straight up because people, you should not be apologizing to people that you don't know. Like the apology is not for them. It's for you. So you should say, you know what? Maybe they had a point. And correct your behavior and mind your own business and let them go on to the next mob. If there's some truth in the criticism, take it and hear it. But they're not the ones that absolve you. You don't turn to other human beings for forgiveness. You take it to yourself. And that's what Emerson says is that absolve yourself. Stop looking for other people who are just as flawed, if not more, to 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 unburden you of your your flaws and your guilt and whatever do it yourself self-reliance <laughs> so i think we need to take a break and uh take a break from self-reliance no no not at all um you know to speak about the uh, to speak about what Oh, I shouldn't interrupt you, but I, no, I have please. a quote. I was just okay. very slowly coming to a point. <laughs> Feel free to interrupt me. Well, I have some quotes from Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay that I really like. This one is really good. But God will not have his work made manifest by cowards. A man is relieved and gay when he has put his heart into his work and done his best. But what he has said or done otherwise shall give him no peace. It is a deliverance which does not deliver. In the attempt, his genius deserts him. No muse befriends him. No invention. No hope. Oh, love it. God will not have his work manifest by cowards. And I'm not religious. I'm not talking about God. The idea is that you're not going to obtain any ideal by, you know, slumping your shoulders and hiding in the background and hoping you don't trip. This idea is that, again, you know, self-reliance. I mean, it just all comes back to, in a way, um, the, 
Emerson has this idea that, you know, you don't really need other people in this kind of way that we see it now where it's like, I need to, is that, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? Can someone educate me? Like, this is another thing that people say. I'm, can someone educate me on what I should do? This is an embarrassment. Like, that's an embarrassment that you would turn to faceless people on the internet and ask for moral guidance, something that people have long turned to nothing less than gods for. And now we're asking faceless people on the internet whether this is moral that we're doing. I mean, don't you have any friends? Like, at the best, you could ask a friend their opinion. At least they know who you are. Now, again, this is the idea that I think cowardice is an interesting thing nowadays because... I think it's fairly prevalent. I think in some ways that most people are naturally cowardly. I read this essay, I think, when I was pretty young. I don't remember it, but rereading it uh, yesterday and today, it seemed like I was reminded of something that I always knew. Maybe it was just that a lot of these ideas correspond with my own. Um, and, of course, reading a lot of Nietzsche... Uh, I see a lot of, a lot of parallels between that, which was brought up I by saw that too. yeah Walter Kaufman, who is the uh, preeminent oh, the, guy, the translator preeminent translator of Frederick Nietzsche, at 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 always in his introductions in several books, drew parallels and said, and he said Frederick Nietzsche read Ralph Waldo Emerson in translation. He didn't read English, I don't think, but he read him in oh. German translation. I found oddly um, Zoroaster is mentioned in this essay and Zoroaster is the as one form of the name Zarathustra and of course Nietzsche uses the book uh, Zarathustra for the title of one of his books uh, so anyway there's there's a lot in there with that again you know I was um, this this podcast was rudely sprung upon me uh, at, at, it was your idea to record Library Circus. Ru rudely sprung upon me uh, without uh, adequate time for me to uh, prepare. <laughs> you suggested it. Well, the suggestion was made and I took it up because I'm a, a self-reliant man of uh, moral courage. Also, I think that my beard and my... we need to talk. Do we need to talk about hairstyles? I mean, with regards what are we going to talk about hairstyles? <laughs> I look at us both. We both look absolutely insane. Like, I literally look like the guy from, what is it, Counting Crows? With the, the whole ponytail shit? Like, this is, this is atrocious. But no, we're not going to talk about hairstyles because that's a dangerous road. Because I will be there for a while. I'm not happy with my hair today. Look at it. What, okay. what is it doing? I Go do just want to say, so I'll briefly do say that. <sighs> Ralph Waldo Emerson, give it a little history. Ralph Waldo Emerson was part of the American uh, uh, Romantic movement. You know, mm. uh, this was a, a movement in the um, 19th century that we won't go into all the details of it, but, you know, was to some degree uh, averse to uh, reason and a kind of a counterbalance to the rationality of the Enlightenment of the 18th century. And so I, I feel like my hair is a counterbalance uh, to reason and the rationality of the 18th century and that it is a, an exemplar of, in some ways, the American Romantic movement made manifest 
uh, in the year 2021. And that's all I'd like to say about that. I'm not opposed to that. I think you have some logic there. Very good. Great. Here's another quote. Okay. Just reading quotes. <laughs> Else tomorrow, a stranger will say with masterly good sense precisely what we have thought and felt all the time, and we shall be forced to take with shame our own opinion from another. I really like this one, too, because it's a it's it's I think it's something everybody can relate to where you've thought something and then you've someone else said it or someone else made it or someone whatever. And um, and you kind of think, mm, yeah, I thought that I would have I could have I could have said it or whatever. But you didn't. But you didn't. And that's that's kind of what what this comes back to. But this is even more, um, you know, d- deep than just like, oh, I could have made that thing in that you forced to take your opinion from some from another forced to take your own opinion from another and that's that's a little bit there's something there about the idea of the individual is that if you're not going to be willing to stand by and voice your own you know thoughts and ideas then they're no longer yours when they come to you from someone else they're not truly yours as they were because you didn't manifest them you didn't birth that child you know uh you adopted it from another there's something more satisfying about going through the labor of sharing that idea saying what you believe on your own as opposed to kind of keeping it back and then having to say yeah i agree when someone else went through the labor of taking that idea and actually sharing it this does remind me though something i uh, think about a lot, which is, is this a philosophy? And you're always into practicalities and stuff. I'm not into it. I reject practicality. But uh, I just said it, and, and I won't apologize for it. And if I change my mind I tomorrow, make you. that would not be very Emersonian right. of me. Um, is this really a practical way for for most human beings to live? I think that you have to have. And it's the same thing with uh, Nietzsche and the idea of the overman. Uh, yeah. Is it really a, a way that most people can live, or should it be? Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I have a hard time seeing this as something that a large amount of people ever have done. Thinking for yeah, themselves. Well, it doesn't I mean, most people are in the mob instead. Most people are in the collective. Most people are, you know, they cling to whatever group or idea gives them an identity. Like he speaks specifically mostly about the church, and I, I think like clergymen and stuff like that, and um, and politicians. And so he he he, he, he lays he them all out. He's ev- everything. It's, it's <laughs> a does. radical essay. That's what you have to understand. Oh, it this is. is a radical yeah. essay, and still <laughs> surprisingly sure. so. You read this today, and I want another. Public service announcement. I need to create a. Uh, oh, you need to not. <laughs> I need to create a a uh, what is it called? Like a what a uh, charity type thing that can then do public service announcements, but then I can make myself the head of it and then pay myself a, a high salary. Anyway, yeah, the like, point. Like a nonprofit. <laughs> thank you. So what I suggest everyone does is take this essay which you'll put in the um, notes. Yeah. And I, 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 I say very few things forcefully. You know, I, I go back and forth a lot with things, but I want I think everyone listening to this should click that little link, put that essay on your phone, all right? Just mm. set it there. Open it up on a tab. 
And anytime you're on your phone and you're annoyed by something on Twitter or reading the, the latest headlines or whatever it is, you're sitting there on your phone and you know you all are, as much as you pretend like you try not to, you all are addicted to your phones. Just, just when you become annoyed, stop, go over, click over to the tab of Ralph Waldo Emerson and read a paragraph or two. It's it's surprisingly it's surprisingly bracing, surprisingly radical. I was surprised, uh, yeah. you know, because it's been a long time since I've read any Ralph Waldo Emerson, and to pretend like I've read a lot of it is foolish. It's a lie. I won't lie to you, viewers. Uh, I have read some some you know of his essays in the past. It's been quite a while, quite a while. But anyway, that's my that's my other public service announcement for this podcast is put this essay on your phone, put it and and just and and it's very short. But, um, you know, if you don't, it takes what, like maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes to read or something and just set it yeah, there. It's, not that long. it's very much like Frederick Nietzsche also in the sense uh, most a lot of his books uh, in terms of the writing style is almost uh, uh, aphoristic, I guess you'd say. So yeah. there are sentences that's why you're able to quote so much from it. It's very quotable. Mm-hmm. So it, it lends itself well to the short, fried out attention spans of your generation that can't, <laughs> that, you know, and, and sentence by sentence. And bless you all. Bless myself because I, I, <laughs> I still, I have a problem with it too. I think we've mentioned, I, you know, yeah. I read less now. It's a, it's a great mm-hmm. uh, folly. Because my attention span has also been uh, mildly damaged from from social media and new yeah, media and all that. Yeah, I can't imagine what's going to be what's the future of human beings look like. We're just I don't want to imagine really it. Kind of like this idiocracy shit. That's it's truly. Put this on your phone. Read. You don't have to read it all at once, but read little bits of it. It's it's uh, easy to read and it's also just it's enjoyable and it's one of those things that. Um, well, it's the thing is it hypes you up. Uh, clearly, like, let's read reading this essay. Uh, I, 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 there's actually an audio of it too. You can just go to YouTube and you can he- listen to it in audio, but you need to read it. Uh, you need, you actually do need to read it because the audio is, it's, you can't just like be doing dishes or something. You won't, you won't be able to really grab, grab, uh, like get it as much as you should we release, heavy. should we release, should we record an audio, uh, version of, of this? I should re- forget you. I should have one where I'm like. God won't have his, his destiny manifest by cowards. I would be the perfect Ralph Waldo Emerson modern day reader. Um, I bring yeah. the fire to the reading. I, apparently, my my idea has been stolen. So we could do two versions <laughs> of it, and then we could just see. Yeah, your your bedtime version, and then mine. That's like when you want to go to the gym. Because what people need is more rage. That's what people need. Right. Uh, is that what people already, need? Did we not do a library circus about de- the demonic? Go and watch the hereditary episode, everyone, so that you can see the demonic. If you use your rage, it is very constructive and very creative. You telling me that Ralph Waldo Emerson was not fucking angry when he wrote this damn essay? He doesn't seem angry to me. me. Oh, you're wrong. He says on something on this. Um, there's some lines that I was like, whoo, like that he was harsh about it you don't understand the idea cold fury you don't understand that's why i my reading of of ralph waldo emerson will be full of cold fury do you understand that's (laughs) different in nature it's different a different performance you know and some people well i'm not capable of cold fury i'm like cuban and from miami there's not a cold (laughs) there's nothing cold about me that's true not possible Anyway, cold fury, hot fury, whatever you want. So this your essay. your version will be called "Self Reliance I Conyo" by Ralph Waldo Emerson. <laughs> Is that what it's going to be? Good. 
Good. I'll listen to it, sure. Self-reliance, pendejo. <laughs> listen, it's really... Uh, the essay, I think everybody should read it because actually it reminds you that there, this element of dealing with um, being an individual and not capitulating to the, the pressures of the society or the, the mob rule or just the sense that you have to have your goodness defined by other people. Because Ralph Waldo Emerson also, in this essay, he talks about how um, he has a friend that comes and is like, yeah, but how do you know if uh, your goodness is actually not coming from a dark side of you? How do you know if your goodness is goodness and not darkness? And he says, well, if it's my darkness, then it's my darkness. You know, And, and that's the idea is that you... And this is, again, this is why there's so many parallels with Nietzsche, is that it's the idea of defining yourself, defining your morality for yourself. And that's a very tricky thing, and that is why I think that it it's uh, maybe not realistic for everyone to become either the Ubermensch or a <laughs> Emersonian, you know, manifestation of Emersonian philosophy. But you don't have to. You just you can take these ideas and, and see if you can implement them into your everyday life. You don't have to go off and live in the wilderness and whatever and uh, fight the mob every day. But there's something, um, there's something important about being able to make that distinction. I think people really struggle with understanding that they're free to define morality for themselves and that there's no monopoly on morality that's what the point of this country is is that you are not you're not subjugated to getting your morality from a church from an a, a, a dictator or from your your identity group you know that's the whole idea of the individual is that the individual has um something beautiful and divine within them that allows them to define their own life successfully and you know what most people do before we had this poison of social media that resurged this collectivist ethos in the human being in a crippled way too there's difference between like there are there is value in certain in collectivism in, in, in its own way and you know you build society by cooperating with human beings i reject it be interdependent but um, <laughs> but you know, there, the thing about social media is that it births this sickly crippled version of collectivism where all you get is the mob. <laughs> you don't get any of the kind of, uh, I mean, of course, yeah, I understand there's uh, there's, oh, my Facebook group or, oh, well, I can reach out and find people that have ideas like what we're doing right now, Yeah, where, you know, and I think that's, there's actually something really, I have always discounted that because I've always been, you know, under the impression that no one no one has these ideas like no one no one is be, no one is you know interested in defining themselves as an individual people are very are, are are you know not interested in these big ideas not interested in existentialism anymore not interested in in questioning things like and but then i was wrong and i was wrong because and i found that out through social media because i found so many people that really i mean it's like when people join this podcast as patrons that's amazing to me because it really shows that there are people that you know and it makes sense because well we can have com you have friends or you did at one point uh, like, not many one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not many but hey, we're friends so there we go sure. and we would have these conversations ourselves you know like together and so just by that there we can't be believe that we are so rare that we are the only two human beings that are interested in this kind of individualism. People so, oftentimes accuse me of uh, of optimism, you know. Uh, 
it's it's an accusation I've had to deal with for most of my life is, wow, you're really optimistic. Um, here's a th- <laughs> I'm going to edit in your confused looks <laughs> during this podcast, just so you know. Uh, no, but you know, uh, you... You're you're exactly right. You turned it around there. We we spent the first forty five minutes talking about these virtual mobs of people that apparently get them fired from Denny's or whatever, and <laughs> and or no whatever their accounting job. Yeah, whatever. Accounting. I mean, for, for being a professor, man, it's been a professor. It's been journalism. It's been uh, regular people working in restaurants. It's been kids going to schools, like high schoolers. It's all over the you're place. You're fired from high school. They got fired from <laughs> high school. If they can fire you from it, they will. I really don't want to, because I do this all the time. I downplay your concern with this issue. I do. And I'll continue to do it. But but I, I really do want to point out that, yes, you are correct. And, and as I've watched over the last few years, I've watched it become more and more concerning. Where, you know, I watch professors being being let go for things that are clearly, yeah. clearly foolish. not. They're, they're, they're not even, yeah, they're foolish. But you know what? It, this is my concern about it. The, w- the window's been moved so much to where now we're complaining about people being fired for foolish things. When we need to remember, a professor should be allowed to stand up and say something completely controversial. Forget about something that's been purposely taken as an insult, because that's a fucking game. What I'm talking about, someone yeah. should be allowed to sit there and, and, and profess in the United really? States of America yeah. <laughs> what, they, what they believe, even if, it is a, even if it's abhorrent. To be yeah, at, exactly. at the worst, so we need to bring back that idea. That's what. That's not here anymore. You don't understand. No, it is. It, mean, it, it is here. It is. It is. Twitter here. just censored the president of the United States. Twitter is now placing a new button that says, "Are you sure you want to send that? It sounds a little mean." But you're confusing Facebook Twitter is with taking off anything that has to do with a contradicting narrative to uh, COVID-19 and all these things. So this is a situation where the idea that you can say something deeply offensive. That's not even on the table anymore. And that's a problem because now we're fighting this little battle of like, well, I should be able to contradict and question something. And it's like, wow, we're fighting for crumbs. Yeah, I'm not. And what what I'm also trying to say is that don't confuse. Let's not confuse. First off, let's not confuse my hair uh, because it is, again, the foundation of the romantic movement, the American romantic (laughs) movement. Let's not confuse Twitter. And that's why I asked, do you think Twitter will be around in 10 years? Don't, I know they have a lot of power. I know that Facebook has a lot of power. I understand that. Clearly they do. But but don't confuse that for the world. It's easy to do, but it is not the world. It is not, it is, in my day, we called it virtual reality. It is. Okay, but here's the thing. And it's important and it is how people communicate and it is how people, I understand. I'm not downplaying it once again. I, I too, I agree with you. I am a little. I am concerned about these things. But listen. But let's if remember. You can be fired from your job for something you tweeted. That's that's a free speech issue. So that's not even. So yeah, it's it happened on Twitter. And okay, say Twitter bans you. But now you can also have a real world repercussion for something that happened in that quote unquote virtual so world. I don't want to get into I'm not a lawyer and I'm not going to get into yeah, the specifics I mean, well, of this. Well, it doesn't have to be an idea about law. Well, it, it does. It does. It does briefly. It's a real it's it's a it's more of a real world than than we'd like than we actually are admitting right okay, now. Okay, but let's let's also remember and all all of our uh, audience composed of lawyers can tell me I'm wrong, but or uh, constitutional law. Look, the, the the in America, the constitution protects you 
protects your right to free speech vis-a-vis the government. The government's not allowed to come down on you and tell mm. you that it so and again and look, I mean how many we've we've all heard these arguments. Well, the private company has the right to regulate speech however they want. Now what you're talking about is um that speech acts on these platforms can can uh come over and have real world consequences. Sure. I I agree. Am I into that? Not particularly. Uh we do also need to briefly mention <laughs> That there are people with, uh, okay, so this is going to, there are people with opinions that I would, I myself would disagree with and not just disagree with, would find uh, dangerous or, and that I would vehemently oppose. There are yeah. those things. Everyone has those things. I'm not, I don't want to. I mean, to, everyone has those things. Well, every human being has something that they think is beyond the pale that is that is completely abhorrent that is uh that is oh you mean everyone has a a line they draw essentially right and we all do and and i think that we also need to remember not to and this is what you were talking about the backlash which i too also fear which is that i that this isn't we need to be responsible human beings also so we we need to rely upon ourselves and take this responsibility as opposed to give it over to other people it doesn't i don't the backlash that can come is this idea of well just say as the most offensive terrible things you can and then revel in that freedom to do that but that to me isn't you have okay so for me you have to accept that as a consequence of having free speech but it's not good I don't it's like that. I, I don't like. I don't like those things. You know. And yeah, we can, but that's the thing. Like, we don't live in a utopian where a uh, utopia where you get free speech and also all the speech that is used is the one that you correct. Like. You know, that's correct. not realistic. The cost of free speech is bearing speech you don't like. That's how it works. I mean, as soon as you have free speech where all the speech you don't like is removed you don't even have free speech yourself you've only put walls around your speech that just happen to contain all the speech you currently want to use but tomorrow you might find out oops i actually want to contradict that thing because now i realize it's not so accurate well you just kicked out all the speech that's allowed that was outside of the boundaries of what you thought was okay. So now you have curtailed your own free speech. It's all or nothing. It's really a thing like that. And, and I mean, it's not totally all or nothing. There are, like, obviously, we have speech laws in the United States. We have States. laws, and they already exist. Yeah. And they say, you know, and again, I'm not going to get into the law, but, you know, you obviously can't. And yeah, there, there, right. There are rules. There are rules. There are rules that govern. But, but the shrinking. But those, those still no. But here's the thing: those rules still apply to the real world in the sense that, for the most part, anyway, the United yeah. States government doesn't do a great deal of directly clamping down. I mean, this is starting to get to the point I mean, where I wish yeah. I could have said that two years ago. I'm starting to get to the point now where I, I'm unsure. But for the most part. Not in an obvious way, at least. Not in a blatant way the government isn't curtailing speech. I mean... But they don't need to anymore because the reality is who goes to a park and just yells... You know, you always see these people, you know, the the people will walk in a park, you know, and put up a sign like, the end is nigh and here's the reason why. It's because... Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, This is is, um, a situation... 
This is a developing situation. You know, I, I'm always I'm always just tempted to say, leave, leave the platform. Leave but I but it really hit oh. me. This this section and this section in the essay really did hit me. I took it I took it to heart um, because it was and I, I said it before. It's this part of you know what it's you know in, in, if you're if you're in solitude. Which, for the purpose of this conversation, it's my defunct Twitter profile and barely used Instagram uh, profile. And I don't even go to Facebook anymore. But, um, you know, it's easy. It is kind of easy for me to sit back and say, oh, don't worry about this, whatever, you know, because I have purposely placed myself away from these away from these tools. So I accept that. I accept yeah. that. I still think it's better, there, but <laughs> there. I mean, yeah, it's fine. There is some. I am doing a podcast, that, though. though. You know, technically. Yeah, just... but I'm doing the promoting of it. So <laughs> yeah. I listen. Okay. I'm the one that's gonna get the backlash for everything that gets said on this podcast. <laughs> like that's actually what would happen because I'm the one that actually has the very public facing persona, and I'm the one that does the majority of promoting and has all the you know the audience or whatever and you have audience too but i'm already out exposed if you will so i I, i'm i have you know more skin in the game or whatever so just transfer look i think we just need to build up my social media presence yeah so so we can fight equally so i can take the i can take the um i can take on the mob (laughs) yeah i would love that i just delete it i mean you can't. <laughs> I would, dude. I would completely just delete it. But that would be your method of promoting the podcast. Uh, You'd be like, okay, I'm going to fail my own business. Right. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, but here's the thing. Who cares? I don't care. I don't care. Like, I've already been called a Nazi several times on Twitter for saying things that sound like something a fucking uh, uh, Buddha would have said. Like, it's important to value integrity instead of judging people's ideology. Nazi. Are you joking? So, again, here's what happens is the backlash is no one cares anymore. No one cares. Yeah. The Nazi doesn't mean anything. Which anymore. is the danger and because now... fucking fault. The danger yeah, is now, now real how ones... How do you call someone a Nazi when they're actually a right. Nazi? Yeah, it's like again. So most reasonable people can see. I think that most reasonable people again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, there's also can still discern. well, most reasonable people aren't even in this sphere that we're talking about. That's the thing. That's there's a weird which is why a weird I think element it's, to social media that becomes like this. It is that bubble quality where the rest of social media, where people are like looking at cat pictures and sharing pictures of their nephew or whatever, it just doesn't exist. I it just, doesn't hold the same traction. It's important and to so, remember that ninety nine point nine percent of your interactions on social media and you know are positive yeah well here's the thing also um i just i reject all of it because it's a joke and it's a distraction fighting with you know individuals online over little silly words or like i don't like your ideas like oh who fucking cares go write a book about your own ideas then actually do something good with your brilliant ideas meanwhile we're all here like fighting with each other over stupid shit when actual things in the world are happening with real authoritarian leaders real legislation being passed real changes being made to the structure of governments i mean and we're here like don't say that like this is a joke well, this is there. like giving your kids uh, uh you know the cell phone and be like oh just give him the phone he'll let it let us have dinner while he plays with the phone that's what 
true power has done. They gave us the little phone and said, go, go play with your little game over there. Now, anyway, let's go on to uh, some of the other quotes. I like this one. Their truth is not quite true. Their two, not the real two. Their four, not the real four. So again, this comes to that idea that um, you, you really shouldn't be t looking outwardly for what you have to live with. You have to live with your own morality. So the idea that you would have the, give you would give the final say on what is good and what is true to people that you don't even really know is truly uh, lunacy and also it's going to make your life very difficult because you're not going to sleep very well because it's not going to resonate. It's not going to align with your life. And I think the, the, the most beautiful idea that comes out of Emerson's self-reliance essay is that you get to be who you actually are through pursuing self-reliance rather than giving up the power over who you will be to some mob or some outward authority or some idea that has, claims to have a monopoly on goodness you pursue that internally and and it's a hard work i mean there, this is not an idea that like oh just go you know go on a camping trip and that's it you'll know who you are it's constant hard work especially now when we're so constantly connected and we're it, it just receiving ideas and information and feedback from other people all the time it's almost impossible to listen to yourself and see what resonates with your soul and it, that's really what it is you know I mean you can say oh this person has called me an ism I feel bad they think that okay but now Put that person aside. What do you feel about what you've said or done? What were the intentions behind it? What think for yourself. Don't take these people. That's just another person. That's the thing I don't understand is why we have given so much power to other people over us is that why should they have any more uh, ability to, to know goodness than you have over yourself? I have an answer to that. Would you like to hear the answer? Always. Because there, because everyone knows there is a danger in this. So now I will be contrarian to Emerson briefly. <gasps> what about the person who looks deep into their heart and relies only upon their own opinion and is a monster? Mm -hmm. They exist, I would assume, right? I mean, so... What we all know that there are those people out there, they're sociopaths or whatever that you know. Uh, well, this is something that happens with Nietzsche's philosophy a lot. Is that people take it as this idea that there are no morals, that there is no objective morality, and you can make me anything can mean anything. So I can say that killing is actually good. And you had those two. Remember those those uh, college kids that killed one of their classmates, and they said it was because they were going to become the Ubermensch? No. Yeah, it was in the United States. They must I don't have remember. Um, some radically bad misreading of uh, philosophy. I mean, yeah, exactly. But that's, that's the risk that, you know, the idea is that, oh, well, you have to define your morality for yourself, right? But this well, is I my point. Well, I say killing is good. This is my point, is that I think that the fear of this, the people that everyone, I, I, I like it. 
But I understand also the fear of this. And what's also interesting to me, again, the connection between Emerson and Nietzsche is that, think about this phrase, this quote you just said, your two is not my two, your four is not my four, or whatever. You know, there is something, so, go ahead. It's your two is not, their, their two is not the real two. Their four is not the real four. Well, this is reminds me a lot of this thing that went around the internet recently about uh, the number postmodernism right? and two plus two is five, right? Okay, but here's the thing. I mean, Emerson to some degree is saying that he's saying that there. He, he, this is what I find interesting. That's why people think Nietzsche is kind of the the precursor. I he was criticizing he's that, a actually. precursor to postmodernism. No, it's a radical perspective perspectivalism perspectivism. <laughs> Not sure. Oh. Think about this. <clears throat> Think about this. It is a kind of, it is a kind of uh, radical postmodern outlook to say that your there is. I mean, essentially, what he's saying is all there is a collection of individual truths. There is not one truth, and then he okay. he vaguely solves that. By going towards the later parts of the essay into this kind of the real transcendentalism where it's like, well, it's almost like his solution to the disunity of his philosophy, which again, I endorse, is then this this move, this transcendental move to say, well, we're all one ultimately. It's, 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 um, okay. it's interesting to me. Can I Please. answer? Okay. So when I read that quote, I actually thought it was brilliant and I took the note down because I thought it was a perfect contradiction to the idea that came out recently, this idea of like two plus two is actually five because I can twist around all the words in the world to make it seem like it's five. What he says is that, yeah, but then your two is not actually two. So see, that's what it is. To That's how I interpret it. Is the He says right before that is their truth is not quite true. Their two, not the real two. Their four, not the real four. So here is that argument that yes, you can say two plus two is five because actually this and I can argue these different and I can change. And this is the idea I wrote recently a newsletter that um, on the idea that um, intolerance is not tolerance just because it's intolerance against something you believe is intolerant. It's still intolerance. I know uh, there's this kind of there's this uh, idea going around that's. Um, and it's a very postmodern idea. I think it, it comes from Herbert Marcuse. Marcuse. And he argued... Mar Marcuse? Marcuse is how I've heard it said. Marcuse? Okay, well, either way, whatever. Uh, and he argues very much this, like, um, up is down type of philosophy where, you know, freedom is actually uh, oppression because freedom comforts and satiates people. And so then they don't fight against oppression. So actually they're oppressed. And yes, it's a word salad. And... and Great, you can do that, whatever, but your truth is not the qu quite true, is the idea behind that. And I think that that's the dangers of r rationality that is used in service of a goal that's not quite honorable. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something a, a lot of people do when they're younger and they're intelligent. You learn that, well, I can actually argue things in a way that gets me to being right. But that doesn't mean that you've actually found a truth. There's a difference between being able to win an argument and being able to find a truth 
through that argument. Okay, yeah. So here's what I think that should be said about this. These postmodern word games are all fun sometimes, but you know what it never does? What it does what it what it accomplishes is this, and it is very much this fifteen year old kind of uh mentality like i'm smart well it's well th- there's that aspect of it and, and to be to give to give postmodernism a big idea there are useful ideas within that but yeah. what it does is this it's always cap postmodernism i think is always capable of proving the other person wrong but never even attempts to make themselves right and, and mm-hmm. so you're always able to say, well, is the sky really blue? Well, blue is just a word, and that word was made up, and that's a construct, and that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. the, this, you know, the molecules. You know, yeah, you can play those games. I played those games when I was 15 also. Yep. Is there something to it? Yeah, there's something to it. And, and, and you know, again, that's not to discount all of the ideas that come out of postmodernism. But uh, what it never does is, is gets to... You can, it's like it's always a tearing down of someone else's truth and someone it's else's framework. and critique. But it's never actually building something up within yourself and then making a claim. See, they never make claims that then they themselves have to defend. Yeah. Which exactly. is just well, really a kind of lazy, a lazy way of thinking. It's criticism. That's what it is. That's what I think people don't understand. I mean, there are some ideas that come out of it, but um, at the at the root, the idea, the core of postmodernism is critique. It's the idea that you can deconstruct and critique everything, and yeah, you can do that. But what happens when you need to live? But this Once is what you're I... done deconstructing. You need to build, but, but it can't build. You can't build with deconstruction. You have to construct. So now let's break tie this back into the thing we were just talking about my idea that is he is emerson saying you're too sorry give me the quote again because i don't want to misquote because okay. the language is important I'll, I'll quote it uh their truth is not quite true they're two not the real two they're four not the real four so what's interesting there is that he doesn't then claim but i think that isn't kind of implicit he's saying that my two is the real two my four is the real four and my truth is the real truth or, or so. is he saying, this is the, the perspectivism idea. And again, I'm not sure if it's perspectivism or perspectivalism. Um, but, or is he saying, well, transcendentally somewhere, there may be a real two, a real four, a real truth. And I'm not claiming, I think this maybe is what he's saying. Maybe he's saying, you're wrong. I think I'm right. And they change my mind tomorrow. That's fine. But there probably is some sort of uh, truth. I, I wonder. I wonder if he believes, if, if well, Emerson believes in a. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's like it's like there's three there's three categories. You can think of the truth other people have, the truth I have, or the truth and over the here. True truth, right? True yeah. truth, right? And that yeah. can't the true truth could correspond to your truth, my truth. And what I'm trying to get at is, I'm not sure what he believes well here's an idea that i'm not sure if it's his but i think that this might make sense is that um if you believe in the idea that people can be individuals which is uh one of the core ideas in american philosophical thought is that the individual i don't recall if i think it's hobbes no he was english i don't know well you know he was about the the whole idea of the the individual can govern themselves. No, I don't think it was Hobbes though. John Locke. Into that. Probably. I think it was Locke. I think it was Locke. I don't think it was Rousseau. 
but I think it was no. Not. Russo's anyway. a fool. Yeah, he's not. A, he was uh, that's harsh. I won't. Man, he's not a fool. I'm making but he's claims. He's not in our. He's not a, a preferred. He's not an American. Get out of America, <laughs> Rousseau. Go back to France. No, he was a hippie. Let him, you know, go to Coachella. There's some problems with that old boy. He 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 did some squirrely things, if I recall. Oh, did he? Oh, I think he took his free free love lifestyle a little. I I don't want to I don't want to make any claims <laughs> right now, but I I believe that I have heard that he. Uh, well, maybe we'll find a reason to do a library circus with him. In the future, yeah. I mean, yeah. I like. I, I think he had an interesting idea because he has his own ideas on the social contract, which is useful for understanding the idea of the social contract in a larger um, view. But either way, let's leave Rousseau out in nature as he likes to be. And um, but the whole point here is that at the core of American uh, political and philo- philosophy of governance is the idea that the individual truly has some divine spark in them that allows them to govern themselves you would not create a country with such freedom if you did not believe that the individual is able to manage that freedom that's why historically there has not been <laughs> you just freedom. say historically <laughs> it's not like you yeah, said historically on <laughs> I messed you it just up, saved yourself say i'm a feminist you just yeah. saved yourself from the twitter mob you can just clip that out and be like historically <laughs> like, and then cut like, to me yeah. be like did you just say that and be like he's the real enemy yeah Get him with his, yeah. you know, defunct Twitter. With my 90 Instagram <laughs> we'll followers. We'll just send all the hatred to your defunct Twitter so that none of us has to feel anxiety over it. Just like, Well, have, can I just make a fake one? So that, and then, Yeah, go, all right. a, a decoy. <laughs> Sorry, I, I threw anyway, off your... So here's yeah. the thing. Go ahead. If there is this divine spark in the individual that allows them to govern themselves to an extent and lead an individual but still upstanding life, then the logic would follow that if you turn, go for that inward process uh, that Emerson advocates, that idea of self-reliance and turning to yourself for your own morality, since human beings are relatively similar and since human beings have that divine spark, the idea is that it's that process actually would yield a similar result each time if performed properly and i think there's actually truth to that because look this is a country where you have a lot of diverse people and a lot of freedom and most people aren't out like becoming axe murderers or doing crazy things like yeah people have a lot of problems but uh people had a lot of problems throughout all of history like that's not gonna go away but people still are genuinely pretty good to each other i mean you go out in public and people are polite people are fairly helpful i mean you can you know it's not like uh every time you you go outside someone tries to attack you or something it's really not that bad most people lean towards goodness most people are not cruel evil monsters there are the exceptions of course but i don't think any philosophy can can be discounted in its entirety because it doesn't uh account for people that have a an actual deep a a break in their personality i mean yeah there are people that are antisocial and like sociopaths well you know self-reliance is not going to help them nothing is going to help them you know there are going to be these people that are just uh they're uh malformed for whatever reason biology they have had too many traumas in their life and they can't come back for it. it's too late for them whatever it is i don't think that that 
discounts from the idea that most people can turn inward and rely on themselves and be good you know productive uh better people for it so i i would think that that's what perhaps emerson is edging at is that it's not so and that that requires a trust in the the value of a human individual you have to believe that the individual has some kind of inherent value and goodness in them to be able to be trusted to take on that process and come out on the other end with a fairly positive result maybe not perfect maybe not the best but better than not yeah, uh, seems right. And I certainly agree with that as opposed to every time you use the word collectivist in this podcast, I scream, I reject it. And that will yeah, be something <laughs> I will always do for the viewers can know that. And, and that's, fine. that's not to say that there isn't value in working together and all that kind of stuff. But when you say the word collectivist, I think of communist uh, camps. Yeah. But so. So, yeah, you're right. It's not perfect. And there, there are problems. Everyone, everyone understands that the, the these notions of individualism, they're not perfect. Uh, there are problems, but when you look at the alternative, I, I, I hope that everybody will reject it because you know, it's the. Uh, I, I, I'm glad you brought this one up, even though again you rudely sprung it upon me. Uh, you know, uh, extremely, extremely fast, I mean, but. I think. Emerson is just, it's a, such a valuable essay, and I wish we could go into more of it, but we're already past an hour. Yeah. I just think people should read it for themselves because it really reminds you that it's not wrong to look to yourself for morality. It's not wrong to turn away from uh, a collectivist uh, rule or uh, the condemnation of a mob. Uh, I'll end with a really nice quote. Uh, he says, what I must do is all that concerns me, not what the people think. And it seems simple. It seems almost cliche. Like, I don't care what people think. But I mean, really, do you not? Uh, so so many people now were just worried about getting criticized and, and being condemned. And it's really, it's a sad thing because people just want to be good. But the thing is that you, that will be exploited. Your desire to be good and to be absolved of your badness will be exploited by other people because it's your responsibility to define goodness and to pursue goodness as you define it you cannot rely on other people most of whom have bad intentions who are trying to escape the work of defining their own goodness and rely on them to define that for you and so we end this podcast with a second word of the podcast nonconformist. Am I right? Boom. There we go. That's right. That's what the move is. Nonconformity. Just in a in a in a healthy way, you know? Just in a healthy I way. In a healthy way. You don't need to be like overdoing it and whatever. Throw it's off just, all of the standards of society, religion, politics, every framework <laughs> and become become your own person. <laughs> Uh, it's Be your own person. It's, a big, it's what Emerson would want. It is what it's, would it's like. the American way. It is okay? the American way. It is the American way. And it's that's that's badass. Like that's so badass and unprecedented in history to have a country that's like you do you. Just don't fuck with me. That's badass. It be is. yourself. It is. Badass. And also, can this we... This is so cliche. It's so hard to not be cliche talking about, like, be yourself. But, I mean, here we are. It's what people need to hear. 